0: And it was exactly what I've always wanted to do, even though I never imagined that the position existed. So every day I get to work on a a different policy issue and I get to amplify and elevate the voices of everyday people. And I work to understand how they think about their communities, what they want for their, their communities. So it's really fulfilling.
1: Always interested in community and how to bring people together, Shikari Cameron Byerly thought she would go into public interest law or public service. But en route to law school, she got a glimpse into a new way to connect to communities and hear the diverse viewpoints within them. Find out how amplifying and elevating those voices can be its own kind of public service on the next Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. So I'm here today with Shikari Cameron Byerly, and we're going to talk about how interest and wanting to follow interests get you into all sorts of trouble, good trouble. So, Shikari, it's great to talk to you today. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Good. So I asked the same two questions of all of our guests on Roads Taken, and here they are. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become, That's such an interesting question. Coming to
0: college, well, let me back up. I think I've always been very interested in community and how to bring people together around shared notions of community with a particular focus on the diversity within communities. So at Dartmouth, I was, and I would say even before Dartmouth, coming into Dartmouth, was always interested in public service and kind of playing a leadership role, I guess, if you will, in building communities. So I was very active, as you know, in student assembly and also within my cultural community um, with, the, with the AM. So that was a big part of my Dartmouth experience It's just working with other people who cared about those issues. And I didn't know, I think going, coming out of Dartmouth, I thought I'll go to law school Maybe I'll do public interest law. Maybe I'll go into politics. I took a rather circuitous route. So I, I didn't go to law school, as you know, uh, but I did end up in public service in politics. So in a way, I'm one of those lucky people who majored in uh, politics or government and actually end up using quite a bit of what I've learned uh, as an undergrad and continue to, to focus on. So that's been really great.
1: Yeah, though, as you said, it was not a direct path. And when you left college, your first, you know, the the way that you thought you would apply those skills and the community building really um, gravitated toward education, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Talk talk to me about that first set of experiences.
0: Yeah, happy to. I come from a family of educators. So my grandmother was a high school teacher and, and counselor. My mother was a teacher as well. And so I actually had planned to go to law school uh, returning to Los Angeles, UCLA, and when I really thought about it, I said, you know what, I don't want a lawyer. I, I don't know really what I want to do, but I know I want to be of service, particularly in communities where uh, I come from and what nurtured me, and so I decided to go into high school teaching. And I taught for a couple of years in urban schools in San Francisco, which is where my family is from, and a bit in Los Angeles. And that was just, I think, really an important grounding experience because I did really what I loved. And I worked with students that were just like me, in a sense, Um, may not have had uh, experience with a lot of the, the... I think, privileges that we enjoyed uh, as Dartmouth students and being able to bring to bear uh, some of that expertise and experience in urban communities. Just, it was really important. It was a great time. Um, From the classroom, I wanted to, I still had this yearning to work at a more macro level, I think, within communities. And so I started to, I moved over to to social service. And so I worked for a mentor and scholarship program for youth who did not have parents who had gone to college. And I did that for a few years. And it was really satisfying, but I still had the political bug, so to speak. And so I thought, why not apply for, you know, fellowship to you know, work in the capital, work in the legislature, and I did that, and I was back on the path, so to speak, and really caught caught the bug. And so I worked in the legislature for a couple of years, both in in the capital and then in the district office. Um, decided to go back to school uh, and got my master's in public policy. Um, worked on education policy, on economic development, and to a certain extent, the rest is history. Um, I never knew my current um, field actually existed. So I work as a political pollster now. Um, But having done legislative work, having worked at a think tank, I actually got hired away by a polling firm. And it was exactly what I've always wanted to do, even though I never imagined that the position existed. So every day I get to work on a, a different policy issue and I get to amplify and elevate the voices of everyday people. And I work to understand how they think about their communities, what they want for their their communities. So it's really fulfilling. Plus, I get to work with my husband. So I, I count that a privilege as well.
1: Right. So you said you got kind of poached away. And so we're working for a firm on polling. But ultimately, not only do you get to work with your husband. He is a bit of an entrepreneur and so pulled you to a place. I don't know if it was comfortable for you to, to move into that entrepreneur, but tell us about your business and kind of the the genesis of it and how maybe even the genesis of your relationships. Yeah, that,
0: well, both are very interesting, uh, but separate stories. So I'm married to Rodrigo Bar- Byerly, uh, Dartmouth 98, who is also a government major. So we have those shared interests and we run Run one of the only African-American owned and operated uh, public policy and polling firms in the country, which is really exciting. Uh, We have two arms of our business. One is a California corporation and another is a Texas corporation out of which we do more national work. I think our value add to the community is trying to marry scholarship with applied research. And so how can we bring thought leadership from academia, which often isn't very accessible to everyday folks, how can we integrate that into how our leaders and policymakers think about the public and about the different solutions and why the public doesn't support different alternatives? And so we actually work with quite a few uh, foundations and educational institutions And we work for political campaigns, uh, including candidates and issue area campaigns, as well as public agencies. So, for example, most recently we worked with the Sierra Club on their efforts to transform into an anti-racist organization. And we also worked this past cycle for Vice President Kamala Harris, um, which is super exciting and interesting. And at the local level here in California, to pass one of the only uh, local measures to shift funding away from more carceral approaches to community safety uh, into programs aimed at prevention and community upbuilding and empowerment. So, this is for Los Angeles County, which is one of it is. Um, I think the second largest, if not the largest county in, in the country next to Cook County, and also has the largest budget in the country. So it's a, a pretty transformative and phenomenal um, initiative. And we're just very excited to be a part of what's going on in our country and actually um, having an approach that that we think um, will make a difference as it, me- as it relates to racial justice and community investment.
1: Yeah. So, Getting back to your earlier statement of um, how kind of helping people find shared notions of community has always been so important to you. I'd say in today's, um, at least United States society, um, there's not a lot of shared notion of much, frankly. And in your polling work or public opinion surveying work, I'm sure that you're seeing division, And so where are you finding that um, the passion for finding community and building community sits in your work? Do you have to scrape and, and kind of, you know, try to find it or are you happily surprised that you find it more than I would think you do?
0: You know, I think that my approach to polling and opinion research really starts from the perspective that everyone is coming from an authentic place. Everyone cares about their livelihood. Everyone cares about their family, primarily. And I truly believe that everyone wants um, what's best for our country. I don't think those values change. I don't think that the issues upon which we disagree really change that much because there are some core foundations to public opinion that derive from those those values or those ideological perspectives. So the key in, I think, finding the common ground in public discourse, which is quite different than the reality of, of what exists is what are those touchstones that really build a bridge between the values that we all share and the policy outcomes that we're committed to, and that's the business of governing. Um, you know where we are today politically, the discourse I think has has shat you know has cast a, a really dark shadow over those common values, but. It isn't an issue, it, they aren't along new fractures or fissures. I think it's really the the core fractures that we've had since the founding of the country. It's just that in some, you know, periods, those are more prominent than others. Uh, and to a certain extent, we're, we're still, we've been fighting over issues of racial justice since the beginning. And that's a core fault line today. I think we all believe in equality. On the surface, we believe in equity. But how do you get there? And when we have, um, you know, such deep partisan divides, I mean, we're just really getting to the crux of issues that um, have been really tough for a long time. So while some, some may say, may look and wonder, you know, how can we ever heal these divides? You know, I would say let's not look away from the fact that they've always been with us and we're at a point where we can really do the hard work. Uh, And I think we're at a point we we have seen growth. I mean, the fact that we have major organizations and uh, corporations they're now interested in investing resources in these conversations is highly important. And I, I point to to one of our clients, the Sierra Club, which is the largest environmental organization in the country, if not the world, uh, largely uh, white membership, uh, but has a deep con- commitment to racial justice and using their leverage uh, to have those conversations where we find shared values uh, and in that work we have found that that there is common ground even for among those who on the surface may not see a connection between the issues they care about even like the environment and what that what connection that, that might have to issues like inequality and, and racial justice so
1: So at one point you didn't even know this was a field, but what was the point where you knew you could actually have your own business and grow it to such an important business?
0: Well, that's where uh, the unexpected entrepreneur comes in. So my husband, Rodrigo Byerly is... um, he teaches business and management at the university level, but um, has been an investment banker and has helped and started companies uh, over the course of his career. And when I was working for a national polling firm, he always said, You know, you're going to be able to open your own shop one day. And I said, Oh, no way, I could never do that. <laughs> Uh, And then having hit a bit of a a glass ceiling, having worked at a national firm for nearly 10 years, um, I decided to invest in myself uh, with Rodrigo's support and go back to graduate school uh, to get some additional training. And that was really important because the world of polling is always changing in terms of how to reach people and also the methods that are used. And Rodrigo said, you know, you're at a point where you can take these projects from start to finish. You, you ought to consider, um, you know, building the practice in opinion research. And so that's what we did. You know, I have to say it's always, um, I think there's a measure of risk and especially as a woman who wasn't uh, a business major or considered an MBA necessarily, um, you know, it, it was a growth experience and has been a growth experience, but it's been a really great one. Um, it has allowed us to train up uh, a cadre of researchers from a diverse set of backgrounds and bring a really unique lens, I think, to the business uh, because we are one of the only African American firms and one of very few where um, we have, um, you know, a woman lead researcher, uh, which is the role that I've in which I, I serve. So it's been really exciting.
1: Yeah. And actually I knew a little bit about your business, but I really thought that um, it was more in that um, Rodrigo was more entwined in the polling part or the, the sur- subject area part, mm-hmm. but sounds like, you know, it's he, he was the business guy that kind of supplemented your other skills. Um, so tell me about how you met. It really wasn't related to politics.
0: That's right. Well, and and Quiet is Kept. He's, he's actually a, an MPA himself. And so oh, although yeah. he worked in finance, um, he is very much part of the polling business. So he's a, he's a secondary researcher right Right alongside me. So we, we run the projects jointly, although his sphere is, is primarily as the CEO and president and the business direction uh, and executive leadership. So, uh, how we met is very interesting in that I was one of those Dartmouth women who looked at the stats on <laughs> the proportion of us who marry other Dartmouth uh, students and uh, or graduates, and I said, oh, that would never be me. Like, I would never marry a Dartmouth man, I'm not going to be that statistic. And so, Rodrigo and I knew one another in college, but we weren't our silly friends. Um, fast forward 17, 14 years, 13 years after graduation, uh, he had been working in New York. I was in California and he decided to take a job in California, happened to be in Los Angeles. Um, he has a fraternity brother who's a 95 that I keep in contact with. And so uh, Hosea. And so Hosea gave me a call and said, hey, do you remember that guy, Rodrigo? He's coming to L.A. and uh, he doesn't necessarily know anyone. Would you be willing to show him around? It's like, oh, yeah, I remember Rodrigo. Sure. Why not? And uh, the rest is kind of (laughs) history. And the interesting thing about that is at the at that time, I was in Sacramento working in legislature. And I was considering either going back to uh, graduate school to pursue my master's at UCLA or Columbia, New York, where he was. So we literally could have just missed one another (laughs) with me moving to New York where he was and him moving to uh, LA where, where I was from. And so the, the stars just really aligned. Uh, And so I, I showed him around and we got to know one another uh, better and, here we are 15 years later um you know still together and now in in business together as well so it's
1: quite amazing quite amazing was that Hosea Harvey? It was yes. Yeah. So does he take full responsibility like he knew that he was putting you together or I don't was know it if
0: he ex- exactly <laughs> knew what that that was going to happen?
1: He <laughs> shouldn't take credit for it please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. So I will say, though, um, there are couples that can have a business together and there are couples that that's probably not a good um, suggestion. So what have what have you found about that working relationship that makes it work? Yeah,
0: Uh, it's definitely an interesting, I think, in endeavor, Um, but it really works for us. And I think primarily because we're friends first and we really Respect one another as intellectual peers. We both bring something I think unique and valuable to the business, which um, enhances what we're able to offer. And I think our clients really uh, see that as as well. And and so it's actually strengthened our marriage, I think, because it allows us to get to know one another better, to work out those kinks, so to speak. That that married married couples. Often, um, if, you're, if you're living with someone, there'll, there'll be some, some bumps in the road along the way. So it's working through those challenges, and particularly because we have a common interest in uh, seeing the business do well. We both care deeply about these issues.
1: Uh, it's really great. So, Shikari, when you think back to your younger self, government major, um, thinking that public service was definitely in your future not knowing this world existed, what what would you say to her now or what would she actually say to you now looking at kind of this business that you've built and the good that you're doing? What would she say?
0: I think she would say, wow, really? <laughs> um, I, I really do. It's like a dream come true being in this position and doing this work. Uh, there aren't very many women um, there aren't very many people who really understand who the, uh, the folks are behind those numbers and those approval ratings. It's a bit of an esoteric process. Um, this year, we actually uh, began to offer some limited internship opportunities to Dartmouth students, which has been great. Uh, and our, the one intern we were able to bring on uh, this year, he said, you know, this is an amazing opportunity because he never knew it existed. Right. <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's a government major. Um, and so it's, I, I think my younger self would probably be really amazed and uh, quite, quite proud. I think I would say, you know, hang in there, kid. You may not know how you're gonna get to where you wanna be, but stay true to those values because you will find a way if you're deeply committed, and, you know, that I can't take the, the soul credit for that. Um, it's really a core tenet of my faith that, you know, all things truly do work together um, if you have those core uh, ideals at heart.
1: Yeah, well, it is clear, Shakari, from talking to you that those ideals are very clear and your commitment is unwavering and that this role seems to be exactly where you need to be right now. Um, so I'm pl- so pleased to, to hear that from you and uh, look forward to kind of tracking this and seeing where the business goes and where you go. Um, and I'm sure I am sure it's going to be someplace great. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. That was Shakari Byerly, partner and principal researcher at Evataris, the Los Angeles-based public opinion research and public policy consulting firm that she runs with her husband, Rodrigo Byerly, Dartmouth 98. The firm is one of the only African-American owned and operated polling firms in the U.S. You can find out more at Evitaris, E-V-I-T-A-R-U-S dot com. Shikari isn't the only one who likes to hear from communities about what they're thinking. We would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, your ideas for other guests, and what you hope we could talk about in the future. Visit roadstakenshow.com and click the Contact Us link or email us directly at roadstakenshow at gmail.com. Until then, we hope you'll keep listening and encourage others to tune in with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on the next episode of Roads Taken.